Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. There's a real distinction around competence and strengths. And we can spend our entire careers and have, frankly, really successful careers built on competence and not strengths. And this is where we we actually get confused when we're being recruited and we sign up for roles and, and we get stuck doing jobs we might be good at, but we don't get fuel from. Hey friends, it's Ash here, and we are coming back to my roots this week in the work category with Sarah Kaler. She is an executive leadership coach and a consultant, and also the CEO of Soul Powered, which is a women's leadership research and education company. Uh, She's the perfect person to talk about all things resilience, burnout, inspiration, big picture, and most of all, what it really means to be a top performer. And this is something that we were just talking about, connecting on, and I'm really excited for her feedback because... Because, um, you know, what I've read with research, according to Forbes recently, the top performer is usually one that is the most rewarded with income and also more work on their plate. So they're the one that is going home last if they don't have boundaries and take care of themselves and really become whole, which is what I want to ask Sarah about. So, um, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Hi, I'm so glad to be here and uh, to speak with your community. It's, it's great. Yeah, I just, um, I'm sure that you probably had your own journey through burnout and finding yourself as a leader and a top performer. So I would love Absolutely. to just hear a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, gosh, you know, I started as an entrepreneur and then was recruited into a corporate environment. I was one of the early executives at Lululemon when they were small and uh, sort of high growth startup mode, even prior to an IPO, and then went on this high growth, wild journey uh, with them. And, you know, it was a high flying young corporate executive at a young age, was promoted really quickly. And before I knew it, found myself running the United States business and sort of my dream job, you could say, and uh, responsible for thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue, you know, it's sort of these classic stories you hear. And on the surface, it looked like I had it all, right? I had, you know, those markers of success on the outside and behind it, my, my health was deteriorating and I was really falling apart behind the curtain and really hiding it uh, from the public world, even my direct reports. And I got more exhausted, stress levels were becoming extreme. And the short version is I started to have grand mal seizures over periods of time. And I had been an athlete. I had been really 
uh, you know, kind of a health and, and wellness uh, junkie my whole life. And so I'd been really healthy. And then all of a sudden I found myself in a full blown health crisis. And um, also at one of the, you know, most successful wellness companies in the world at the time. And that success I was helping to drive. So you can imagine it was a confusing state and one that I, I certainly hit a rock bottom within. And it was when I had my son that I, I really hit that moment of, I can't do this anymore. I had a, a newborn. I spent a week in the hospital um, after a major episode and I was unable to do the two things I always knew that I wanted to do, which was I knew I wanted to make a huge impact in the world, in my work and my contribution. And I knew I wanted to be a mother. And here I was unavailable for both of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's the short, short version, but, you know, I knew there was another way to lead in the world. And I knew that I had to go on a deep transformational, you know, exploration of what that looked like. And off I went, um, on that journey. This is so helpful. And I, I think a lot of women, they think about being a mom in their career when they're doing really well. And there's that inevitable feeling of like, am I hurting my career by stepping into motherhood? Like, do you have a message for people like that? Because I think inevitably you are stepping back from your career. That's just energy. So how do we navigate that? It's, you know, it's one of those things, you know, this whole message of you can have it all right. And I'm a, big believer and advocate of you can have it all. And there's a lot of messages around balance and you can have it all, but not at once. And, and I actually, um, I have a motto. Um, I'm not saying I disagree or, you know, I have, you know, one system and there's only, you know, I'm, I'm sort of agnostic. I like to use that word a lot in my, in my life and in business because I'm very open in the sense of, I think everyone finds systems and process and practices that work for them. And there's not only one way to do something. Um, what I have found for myself is that it requires a village. It requires a support team and it requires relationships and resources to be the most resilient and what we call it soul powered and indestructible woman and leader. Mm. And so for me to get smarter and wiser and stronger and to do my best work in the world and really show up in all areas of my life, I'm not here to do that alone and to show up for my child and to show up for my leadership. I need to pull in resources. I need to pull in relationships. I need to pull in the village. And so it's up to me and it's really my personal responsibility to build that. And that's what I have found. And that is not always easy. And there's an ebb and a flow to that, but I know that it's possible and that looks different at at different times, right? At different times in my life, I've needed different resources. And I know that, um, yeah, that requires energy, like you said. And sometimes I have to, I have to say yes and no. And my yes and no are very powerful, right? Which comes back to boundaries and knowing what my not only top core values are and really my priorities and creating structure and boundaries around those things and protecting them no matter what. Mm, And, you know, I think one of the topics we'd kind of floated before we started recording was just around burnout and inspiration. And 
I know that so many people are there right now and they might not even be aware of signs of burnout, like just being irritable and not being happy Mm. to do basic things or thinking that, you know, small things feel like you're moving a mountain or you just don't even see the point of it anymore and people feel stuck. So is there any message you have for anyone around like indicators that they're burnt out and where to start when they are? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked this question because, you know, early on in, in, in my burnout, so to speak, I, I thought it was normal to be exhausted all the time. I worked easily 60 to 80, which then became upwards of a hundred hours some weeks. And I thought that in my my level of responsibility in my roles, it was just normal to feel the things that I felt or to have the experiences I had or to have my phone buzzing 24-7 and to just have to react to that, to be responsive to that all the time. And I didn't have any sense of how to self-manage yet, right? I didn't have that skill set. And so the, you know, the symptoms were... uh, clearly fatigue, you know, (laughs) clearly, um, you know, I had no time for myself. I was squeezing things in right, left and center. I, you know, was running around really like a chicken with my head cut off. Right. And so I, even though I had things like admins or EAs or other people trying to manage my schedule, it, that was really, it was a dysfunctional system and it wasn't prioritizing my health or my what needed I needed to fuel me in order to show up for my responsibility or other people. Mm. And so I was, you know, I was essentially living and leading through a system that was broken and thinking that I was showing up as how I was supposed to be. And really it was from an energy of proving, mm. right? Proving myself, proving my results versus tuning into my body and my own knowing and listening to what I really needed. Mm. Right. And, and so I was operating on a really shaky and inauthentic foundation. Yeah. And this makes me want to ask you the question, like, you know, how do you decide where to draw the line? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you could be swimming. Like when I worked in counterterrorism, it's like, I'm sitting in the Pentagon with no window, mind you, because only important people get windows. And, um, I'm swarmed and we're actually solving world issues. Like people are, you know, and it's like, everybody thinks that their meeting is urgent. Everybody thinks that it's time Mm -hmm. to talk about this thing. Um, you know, it, it feels so, I'm, I'm sure, overwhelming for a lot of people to figure out. And, and also, they feel like they're risking their career. For example, I had a client recently who um, he had uh, his company implement these early morning meetings. And mm-hmm. granted, in his job offer, it says he should be there at like, I don't know, 8, 8.30 a.m. And the meetings are 8.45. He is the top performing hire. He stays late. He gets his job done. He's doing better than everybody else. He has better success rates. Um, and now... It's like he really needs his morning to like sleep and feel better. And he just really needs that time in the day to not be rushed. Um, And he manages his own schedule at work. So what advice would you have for somebody who's really performing and they just need to draw the line? Yeah, exactly. Well, this is the perfect example because I I literally, we have clients like this and my whole team has clients like this every single day and we're helping them triage these situations because this is the life that people have become so accepting of, right? It's this 
chaos. It's this busy, it's this, my, my days are packed back to back to back to back and I have no room to breathe. They don't even eat or, you know, take a break. And so the, the pressure to perform and the pace of business is faster than ever. And so there, you have to take your voice back. You have to draw the line. You have to start having direct conversations with bosses and upline, uh, you know, managers that are of influence where you, in, you might do this incrementally, right? Because yeah. we know if you're in the Pentagon or you're an SVP or you're a director or whatever your role is, that these conversations are not always easy to have, right? And there's a these are high stake conversations. That's what I was going to say. Is people think right? they're risking their job, like they're I'm risking lose their job everything. and their rep, right their reputation, and and so there's an artful way to navigate these conversations. And what's important is that when you go in for an important conversation where you have a request and it's about your needs, put yourself in that person's shoes, the person that you're talking to. Think about how to make this conversation a win-win, right? Mm -hmm. How is this a win for your organization? How is this a win for your team or your business unit? How is this a win, right, for you to come in at nine, not eight, right? Mm -hmm. There must be a business case, right? And think about the ROI. What is the ROI? Mm -hmm. Always bring them the results, you know, both, you know, not just from a financial perspective, but, you know, physical, physical in the sense of what time does everybody get back? What can they do with that time? What does that do for the bottom line? What does that do for the customer or, you know, the marketing or the, whatever the, whatever the important things are for the group that you're speaking to and think about what matters to them speak in their language because at the end of the day, everyone is concerned about what does this mean for me? What does this matter to me? How is this going to impact me? And how is this going to ultimately shift or change the results that my name is attached to? And as I'm listening to you, I just can't help but think that, you know, it's like, Yes, it starts with a conversation, but then what happens when it's pushback? Like, is that just time mm -hmm. for, for you to go? You know what I mean? Um, because I know that yeah. a lot of managers, <laughs> yeah, like that's, and that's to me, like where people get a lot stuck, you know, is, yeah, okay, stuck. if they're not going to hear me, then I better get out of here. So then what? Right. So, I mean, these things aren't often a one conversation thing. It's often multiple discussions, right? And this is where you want to really work on your communication skills as a leader. And this is, this is for your entire life is going to benefit you and the trajectory of your career, no matter where you are, because it's about being able to have a collaborative discussion where it's we, it's not just about you. Because if the perception is that you're coming in with demands and requests and it's all about you, that's not good, right? You want to come in in partnership, in collaboration, as a, a we. Mm -hmm. And and that's a different point of view, right? But, yeah, but what if they want to raise and it's like they're just not... So, for example, I've had a top performer who he's happy, but he could get a better job with more money, but he really likes this sure. company. He really likes the people. He wants to stay. They love him. They know he's doing a really good job. So 
he wants a raise. That's that's what's in it for him. Like he wants a raise and he wants a promotion and like his responsibility because he's bored, he's done enough, and yep. he sees that there's more in the company. So let's say I know a lot of companies have managers who don't have budget power. You know, like a right. lot of people will go to their manager and say, Hey, I, I you know, I, I've done this, I've done this, I'm providing this results and, and here's my vision and you know, I'd love to be considered for a raise. Um mm-hmm. and and let's say the market is paying better, like they know they could do better, yeah. but they don't want to go. Um, how do you navigate that kind of conversation when we live in a world of a lot of toxic managers, people who make it an environment where you might have to be scared to speak up. Like people just Mm -hmm. feel that like they don't feel emotionally safe saying, Hey, this is what I need. Yeah. Well, you know, of course there's a point at which you have to make the difficult decision whether or not you're going to, you know, go or stay or work with this toxic person, right? Um, I think two things. One, you attempt to have the discussion, right? You go in with your business case in terms of same approach, collaboration, partnership, and I'm going to use this term organizational responsibility. This is very much a skill. And what I mean by that organizational responsibility is that when you can demonstrate that you have the sense of awareness and skill and know-how to say, I want to make an impact. I want to drive results on behalf of the organization. And you can demonstrate in your business case, let's say, how you can do that and essentially put that in front of someone, put that on the table and say, and this is the role and this is how I can do it. And this is what I believe I should be compensated for X, Y, Z. And if that's not received, right? If that's, if there's pushback on that, then sure, go weigh your options, right? Go look, always be open Mm. to where your value is in the marketplace, right? Never shut down doors, keep the doors open. And Remember that the demonstration of this term organizational responsibility is really key because 80 to 90% of the workforce does not do that well. And companies at the leadership level are looking for employees to be able to have that level of insight and vision because most people come in from a very self-centered place and say, I want more money. Mm -hmm. I deserve more money. And that rubs them the wrong way. So if somebody does deserve more money and they want more, what would you suggest? Um, And let's say that they have a manager they get along with, but they've seen the person get really unstable, you know, because I think that's quite common where somebody's kind of emotionally volatile, but they have had a good time with that person so far and they just don't want to see the worst side of them. You know what I mean? Um, What are some ways that somebody can be non-threatening and approaching a conversation where the bottom line is, hey, I want more money or I'm going to go? I think it's be clear, right? So clarity, mm-hmm. what are you asking for and why? Be calm, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, it's like check your sort of your, where's your emotional gauge, right? You want to check yourself. Being calm and present, right? There's a sense of um, a, a quiet confidence, I'm going to say, right? Because you can be direct and calm and, and confident without being arrogant, right? But also not being, um, 
overly emotional or coming across as threatening. That's what I mean mm-hmm. by overly emotional, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to bring, I'm, I'm the biggest advocate of bringing your whole self to work. I want you to be yourself. But what I want you to do is recognize where is their emotional charge in yourself when you come to the table? Because when we're upset or we think we are owed something or you know maybe we have some emotion about what's happening with our manager, it's easy to let that out in on the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you want to check yourself and say, am I coming in here clean, neutral, straight, right? Mm-hmm. Just putting my ask on the table, right? Or putting this request on the table and making that clear with clarity, at knowing what you're declaring, what you're asking for, and taking personal responsibility for your own energy, Okay. So this, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, you're so insightful on this. I just want to keep jumping around. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of situations where somebody will come to their manager and I, and I've heard this a lot where the manager will say, I totally agree with you. Um, unfortunately I don't have the authorization to do this and it kind of stops it there. What is your belief about jumping the org chart being like, okay, well, if you're the director and I need to get to the senior vice president, a couple notches, Mm-hmm. up on the totem pole, then I want to, maybe there's somebody who's got, you know, lady balls or whatever, and right. they want to go do it. I mean, cheers to them for that. What yeah. is your belief about navigating that? I think it, it depends sort of situationally. In a lot of cases, I say, if you have one, again, the clarity and the confidence, and you know that you are clean in your energy and you're, you've really checked yourself about that. I say, go for it. Mm-hmm. The thing you have to check here is what is your agenda, right? Because are you doing it to, to spite someone or in spite of someone? And also, are you trying to leapfrog someone? Are you trying, like, there's, you've really got to be clear about your, your intentions. Well, you know, right? sometimes people will feel leap, leapfrogged and, and, it, and people right. get scared. Like, I don't want to insult my boss that they didn't right. go handle this, but I need to handle this for me. And it's reminds exactly. me a lot of your health because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, it's like, um, maybe they need to get some sort of test done and the doctor thinks they don't, but if they feel like they do, yes. it's like, you've got to be your own advocate. It's the same with exactly. your career. Exactly. You have to be your own advocate. And I tell people that all the time. And so this is the flip side is that you do have to be your own advocate and you have to build your internal network of supporters and advocacy. So something you should be proactively doing all the time in your career is building that internal network of relationships so that when moments like this do surface, you do have relationships you can go to, even if they're still budding and, and growing and you can go to that skip level or you can go to that SVP and say, hey, I'd love to have a quick chat about my career trajectory. Okay. I'd love to get, or I'd love to get your feedback on my goals. Ah, okay. T- okay. See this I love because I think people listening, one of the biggest blocks is like, how do I start this off? And so I think it's mm-hmm. so powerful. So, okay, let's say, you know, Sally has a manager and she just can't get through to this person. They're not doing it. Sally knows she's clean. She knows that she deserves this. She knows that she's put in the work. She knows she's creating the results. And she also knows she needs to talk to the CEO of the company about it direct. And, you know, I know a lot of people think that their CEO, like, shouldn't be in the weeds, shouldn't be dealing with this. Um, right. You know, they have a judgment about it, but they, but they're very liked and they want to go do it. Is there some sort of etiquette you would say around like notifying their manager? Like, Hey, I'm going to go, up in the ranks on this? Or do you think it's okay that they just want to go do what they want to do? 
I think, I think it's important to communicate, especially if and when you feel it's going to create any kind of political situation, right, um, with your manager. Because um, we know internal politics are at play often in organizations, right? Yeah. Or fear with your, your manager that that would be uh, an issue. But it can sound something like, like I was just uh, speaking to, where you knowing that anyone upline or at the senior level, their biggest asset is their time, right? Yeah. So, so knowing that requesting their time for anything is, is a big deal. So you need to be respectful of that and know that whatever you're asking for, do that in a smart way, do that out of respect and whatever you put in front of them, whether that be, I'd love to get your feedback on my career trajectory, or I'd love to get your feedback on my goals do that in a way that makes sense for them. Put yourself in their shoes and and not um, sort of recklessly do that, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you do that in a way that doesn't show self-awareness of their time and their level of responsibility, it will come back to bite you, mm-hmm. right? Um, both in your own sense of uh, business maturity and also often with your direct uh, leadership, right? And you don't want that, right? So I would then say you get a meeting with a CEO or an upline leader. I would then say to your manager, hey, just so you know, I've taken, you know, proactive responsibility to own my own development mm-hmm. and get insight from leaders around the organization on how I can improve, what are the things I can do and put in my own development plan and I've contacted these people. Beautiful, I love that. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Would you say that the person who's asking for the executive's time, if they're like that top performer that's doing great, do they have a responsibility to, I don't want to say distract the conversation, but do you think there's a political element of needing to add value? Like, you know, let's say they're a top performer they want to raise saying, hey, I have some ideas about my role and I would love to discuss, you know, just my growth and then leading into the raise after you've added value in the conversation. Or do you think that leaders appreciate people who, and I know it's a generalization, but just to kind of get a gauge here, they just get straight to it and say like, hey, you know, I, I really value my job here. I, I really want to grow. Here's what I focused on. Here's what I'm learning from it. And I would also love your feedback on how I can grow as quickly as possible. Cause I really want to stay here. And also just your feedback on, can, do we let them know we're thinking about leaving? You know what I mean? Like what's that navigation according mm-hmm. to you? I think in general being direct and again, think about preparing for your conversation around these these key outcomes. It's like, what do you want to get from this conversation, right? What is, what are the desired outcomes and be, uh, sort of get to the bottom line, right? It's like short, sweet, and succinct because these people, their time is valuable, right? Mm -hmm. And think about what is it that they need to hear from you that demonstrates that you have big picture, 
you demonstrate that organizational responsibility? What is it that they care about that you can speak to them about quickly and succinctly that's going to show that value, your value that you add to the organization, Mm. right? Because they need to hear that or they won't really be able to listen at the level that you need them to. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess it's just, you know, it's like, okay, maybe the person knows and they're clean in their energy and they feel courageous and they're willing to send that email out and say, Hey, I'd love to ask for your time. Just looking to manage my career here. I'm really excited to talk to you. I, I, it won't be too long kind of a thing. Right. Right. They, they get in and there. then, and then you can talk about, you know, what your goals are and how you want to navigate and, and sure you can talk about, um, that you've been recruited or that you've had other offers and you know, you're in a competitive industry, you know, you can mention that, I, you know, I think we all know we're in high as high performers that we are being recruited and we are typically in competitive industries and there are talent wars happening everywhere and it's hard to retain talent. And that is something that every company is looking to figure out and, and trying to invest their dollars in. Right. And so it's top of mind for all leaders. And so I don't think you need to go on and on and on to people at the top about it. They know it's, it's something that keeps them up at night. And at the same time, the fact that you are asking them for their point of view, they value that they want to share with you what's important to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's a good step to take. Um, and I think being direct and, and listening to them and asking follow-up questions in that moment is, is actually more important than, you know, do I tell them I want to leave or not? Right. It's, yeah. it's more about your ability to be with that person, be present with that person and ask them what is most important to them and how you can be responsive and most valuable to them in the organization. And demonstrate that. And Mm -hmm. you also, I'll say this one last thing is that you cannot make assumptions going into these types of conversations, these people upline above you that they have complete visibility into how you've performed or who you are completely Mm -hmm. because the narrative or the storytelling or the reporting that's coming out of your manager or maybe your manager's manager may not complete the full picture. And, uh, you know, just kind of switching gears because I I love how much we're jumping around, you know, just looking at what it really means to be a top performer. We talked about setting boundaries when you're burnt out, initiating conversations. I want to talk a little bit about inspiration because Mm -hmm. I know we've all been there where as we grow, so does our needs, so does our, and our desires shift. And I know a lot of people have, you know, climbed their way to the top, whether it's been quick or slow, and they really Mm -hmm. made it there. They're so proud of it. And they're sick of it. How do you find inspiration again if you're feeling disconnected from your job? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a few things that come to mind here. I think number one, when you're lacking that inspiration, there's a number of factors why, right? And it's about getting re-engaged and realigned. And one of the biggest things that happens for people, the reason disengagement starts is because they're not working in a role that is at least 70% or more centered around strengthening activities. Mm. And research shows, and this is worldwide across industries, that 
we as high performance high, high performers and human beings need to spend at least 70% or more of our day in strengthening activities. And when I say strengthening activities, I mean, what are those activities that you love to do that energize you, where you lose track of time, they bring you fulfillment and joy, where you could continue to grow exponentially and there's literally no cap on your development, right? You're in the zone, in other words. Well, when I listen to you say that, I'm like, wow, that's probably a really high bar for CEOs and leaders to hold with their staff because it's like, oh, wow, my person, my people need to love everything and be in such a flow state. They're losing time 70% of the time. Like, you know, I I know so many businesses say like, well, this is what the company needs right now. You know what I mean? Like check your ego out the door. Um, I also know that companies that the culture is broken, the system's broken, and they're large companies, a lot of top performers might be spending their time fixing instead of creating, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, Tell me a little bit about how to navigate that. Well, here's what I want people listening to think about. There's a real distinction around competence and strengths. And we can spend our entire careers and have, frankly, really successful careers built on competence and not strengths. And this is where we, we actually get confused and we're being recruited and we sign up for roles and, and, and we get stuck doing jobs we might be good at, but we don't get fuel from. And case in point, I, you know, when I was running the United States, uh, for Lululemon, there, there were like, you know, 70, 80% of it, love, love, love in the 10 to 20%, which we all have, we all have things we have to get done that we don't love. It's part of life, right? It's part of business. But there was this one section of my job that was heavily real estate oriented. And I was really, really good at it. Really, really good. And it was heavy in finance too. And I had, you know, some of the company was really pushing me to go deeper in the finance and real estate direction in my next executive role. And I had this recognition that I had this sense of, I kind of capped out, it was boredom. Mm. I, I was so good at it. I could do it, honestly, with kind of my eyes closed. It was like, yeah, I could choose commercial real estate. I could drop the performa. I, I had it down. I was good at it. We were successful. And yet I was lit up somewhere else. Mm. My, everything about my spirit, my mind, my emotions, my body, my, I craved to be somewhere else. And when I was in that other realm, I was magnetic. I could get results like nobody's business, right? I could perform and I could actually get more done in less time. I was effective. I was efficient, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I started to turn my career in that direction instead of going down a path where that could have been really lucrative. I could have been good at it, but it would have been weakened and drained, And that is not sustainable. And that is where you start to see people disengage at work rapidly. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand why often Mm. because they're going, well, gosh, like I come to work and I do my thing and I execute and I implement and I'm good at it. And I've been rewarded and recognized and reinforced Mm -hmm. and I, I get promoted, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel good. Right. And so then we end up obviously at a point where the cost of living that way and working that way reaches a tipping point. 
Mm. where, you know, the, the cost could be our relationships with our family or people who are meaningful. The cost could be uh, our health. It could be we have, you know, no time for the things we love. It, you know, the cost could be all kinds of things. It's different for everyone. But the cost gets so high and it basically outweighs the payoff. Yes, yes. And, like, let's look at that that 10 to 20%. It starts to leak into more. Or let's look at the person who is getting so tired of it all that they like that 20% is just sucking the life out of them to the point where like mm-hmm. that 80% doesn't even matter anymore. Um, exactly. cause I know for some people that 20% is just like, I can't, you know, mm-hmm. um, what are your suggestions for those people? Cause I know that nobody wants to come across as like a no, a no go kind of person, right. you know? Yeah. So when you start to recognize the cost of your life, right, you've reached the tipping point. Maybe you're, you know, leaving, you know, damage in your life and relationships or your health has gotten bad or whatever it is. And you're starting to recognize, I, I can't do this anymore. You've got to start to lead, uh, with a, with a clear view of what I call the whole right? And that's starting to lead with clarity and purpose of what you desire. And this is uncomfortable, okay? This is where people get the most uncomfortable because you're starting to split realities and you're starting to have one foot that's still stuck in this inauthentic world where you've been living a life that's not completely true to who you are. And it's not all your fault, right? We've been groomed to do this. Mm -hmm. And then your other foot wants out, Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to start to really declare what your personal vision is, who you really want to be, what do you want to encompass in your personal life, your work, your health, right? Your loved ones, your community, what is really important to you? What are your values? What are your priorities? How do you want to feel? What do you want to contribute? Mm. What do you want to be known for? Love this. Right. Yeah. And step and and that declaration is step one because that alone takes reflection. And that for a lot of people is way more challenging than they can imagine. And that letting go of this world they've been in for sometimes 10, 20, 30 years is is very challenging. And so what happens is their yes and their no's start to have a different level of power because you're starting to really commit to what you want to create in the world. Yes. And this kind of brings me to, you know, back to a more original point of looking at the bigger picture. And you talked about before we recorded just this idea of leading with a clear view of the whole. Um, tell me like, as we zoom out, what does that really Mm -hmm. mean for a top performer? Mm -hmm. Well, you have to number one, first and foremost, you have to awaken to your, your responsibility as a whole person and a conscious leader. And that means immersing yourself in your own well-being, your own self-responsibility. You know, I've I've said personal responsibility several times on this call. And um, it's about the leader who excels, has the ability to stand for others and doing their best by first and foremost standing for themselves. So you come first. You've got to feed yourself the fuel you need to to be able to go fuel others, right? So invest in yourself. And that doesn't just mean your development. It means all these areas of your life. And so the the realization here is that we've been groomed and taught that leadership exists in the organization. Mm. But the reality is leadership exists everywhere. We lead at home. We lead in our health. We lead in our spirituality. We lead in our recreation and fun. We lead in our physical spaces. 
And we often do not wake up to that personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And we have to lead as a whole person. We can't compartmentalize who we are as a leader and have it just exist inside an organization. Okay. So where is the stopping point where it's like, okay, there's looking at the whole and taking care of yourself. And there's also just like, okay, this is a season where the next three months we just have a ton of shit going on and I've got Mm -hmm. to focus and my needs don't feel as important right now for these three months, like that kind of a thing. Cause I know that's Mm -hmm. the slippery slope. What is your opinion on like sprints? Uh, It's the same approach. So, you know, I literally had a client earlier this morning word for word probably had a very similar thing to what you just said. And it's, it's about, okay, great. So what's the sprint going to look like? So we've got, you know, a sprint to complete. What is it going to require from you? Who do you need to be? Mm -hmm. What do you need to require in terms of relationships, resources, and, you know, and restoration in order to show up and deliver this sprint? Mm Mm-hmm and be successful and on time. Mm. And, you know, I think a lot about, um, a client I've had where she's this, she's like a millennial CEO. She's total, you know, boss babe vibes. And, Mm -hmm. um, she's got like 15 employees at her startup. She just hired a new president. She's got $25 million of funding and the girl can't even show up for our coaching session because she is just falling apart. And the reason that she had me come in is to help her not fall apart. So what is your thought on somebody who is buying into whatever belief system that's keeping them from showing? up for creating that space for them to stay whole mm-hmm. as they're leading. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, the first, the first thing is there is a, you know, there is a narrative and a system there that is running that person and that has to be broken through in order for everything else to change. It's what we were just talking about until the cost of that way of living and leading gets big enough to outweigh the payoff of that way of living and leading, no one changes. Yeah. And, and let's say that we work on her beliefs or something and she, mm-hmm. you know, cause that, I know that both of us, we, we do plenty of that work in, you know, executive coaching and career coaching. Yeah. It's like, let's say we work on her beliefs and she gets to a place where it's like, okay, now I just need to be more productive and be more in charge of my time so that I can lead the best I can. You know, maybe yeah. certain things are sideswiping her time. What are some things you look at? Like I know in today's age, I've read that being a morning person is genetic and not everybody's supposed to be working in the morning. I've <laughs> read that um, some everybody has different productive hours. Sometimes it's the afternoon. I've read that certain things help your brain. Like, What are some things that you love are little fun boosts for people to consider in their creation and productivity? Mm-hmm. Well, returning to the strengths conversation, mm-hmm. I would um, I would take a, you know, a woman like that and I would zero in on what is strengthening for her, right? Because there's, there are the, the requirements and the responsibilities that she has to do, uh, for her, her org and her team clearly. Right. And then there's identifying how, because what you're pointing to is how does she need to uniquely get those things done in a way that's nuanced to who she is as an unique individual. Exactly. Right. And so this is going to be different for everybody, but the beauty of strengths is that everybody has unique strengths. And so if you learn to see, okay, here are this person's strengths, how do we essentially customize this person's schedule 
this person's day, this person's activities down to what meetings they're in, down to what activities they tackle first, second, and third, down to what time of the day do they take on the most heavy lifting tasks? Exactly. Right? Because all of these things actually matter. People have energy at different times of day. People are focused at different times of day. People need to move their bodies at different times of day. Right? Some people have kids. Some people don't. Right? There's, there, and, and my philosophy is that structure creates freedom. So the more that we can create a structure that supports who the whole person is and that that structure, let's say a calendar even, for instance, is a reflection of who you are, both professionally and personally, and supports you functioning in an optimal way, you can get all the results you want and then some. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 And... You know, I think sometimes it doesn't even have to do with like the body or the schedule or the rhythm. And it has to do with like, oh, you're just in a path that doesn't work for you or your business needs a few key changes or you need to delegate. So what are some questions that you love asking, especially young CEOs Mm -hmm. or just young top performers to help them kind of get to know themselves in these ways? Um, uh, why? <laughs> um, I ask why five times. Ask yourself why five times. Why am I doing this? Why does this matter? Yeah, literally, and I'm not joking. Um, why are you in this meeting? Mm-hmm. Why are we having this meeting? Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. I mean, literally. And when you've answered, keep going. Because like, you have to get down to a level of truth. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say real, okay? It's about having the real conversation with yourself because there's so many layers of BS and, oh, I should be doing this and I have to do this. And part of that is our own narrative and pressure that we put on ourselves as high performers. And then it's, we also look across, right? We look across the industry. We look at other colleagues and peers. We see what they're doing and we go, oh, we must have to do it that way. Or this must be what happens when we have, you know, 20 million and seed capital and okay, here we go. So, but no, no, this is for you to start to learn to be a decision maker. Yes. Beautiful. And so it sounds like it's almost like an area of low confidence. Like why mm-hmm. is everything running you? Why don't you have some sort of confidence to be able to assert yourself and lead? Um, okay. So we talked about leading with a clear view of the whole, like looking at mm-hmm. the whole picture, the whole of who you are. You also talk about leading as a whole person. Tell me a little right. bit more. I think we're kind of on this topic now, but a little bit yeah. more about this concept. Yeah. This was about the, you know, really fueling yourself, right? So the, you know, the person who really stands out, the leaders who really perform and sustainably perform. And I'm not talking for a year or two years. I'm talking a lifetime, right? The leaders who lead their legacy in the world and go on season after season and chapter after chapter and are consistently able to take those leaps Mm -hmm. into the next phase. They commit to not just ongoing learning, but self-care, sleep, nutrition, mindfulness, mentorship, ongoing development, right? So they're feeding themselves fuel in order to not just understand themselves and be in inquiry with themselves, but so that they can continue to evolve and grow, 
right? Mm -hmm. Because we know, uh, you know, not to sound morbid here, but if you're not growing, you're dying or at at best stagnant, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, leadership is not a a model or a system or a program you can roll out and cross off the list, right? Yeah. It's not a set of competencies. It's not theory, Mm. right? It's a way, it's a way of being in the world. And, and fundamentally leadership is about service. Yes. And I, I also though, like when I'm hearing you talk about this, I think to myself, what is the difference between the leaders that can lead forever and the ones that are exhausted at two years? What is that about? Yeah. Well, partly it's about what I'm talking of. It's about being, um, in self inquiry, right? It's about developing self-awareness because there's a, there's, there's being able, being able to be in the world where you're taking action and you're creating forward momentum and simultaneously you are processing at the same time, right? There's people who process and stay stagnant and have to reflect and they need time. And there's, there's always need for strategic pause, right? There's times in lives where we need to pause and stop moving. Mm-hmm. But there's people that will take them, completely derail themselves, right, in order to process for long periods of time. What most successful leaders do is they're able to process and bring in the resources and the relationships and the, the village, so to speak, in order to continue to process and take strategic moves forward at the same time. And what the reason they're able to do that is because they develop a sense of self-awareness where they can literally speak to, I, I am observing myself in my own journey. I am taking these actions and I'm noticing where I'm growing. I'm noticing where I'm stuck. I'm noticing where I'm challenged and here's what I'm doing about it. Right. It's a different mentality. I, I understand my strengths. I understand my weaknesses. Ah, okay. And, um, kind of just as we're closing this whole topic, you said leading with whole people. So mm-hmm. I know that this is about like human to human interaction purpose. Yeah. Like, what does this all really mean for you as it relates right. to everybody listening who wants to be a leader? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, a moment ago said leadership is fundamentally about service, right? Yeah. And, um, it's about, you know, serving others, making an impact. And we hear more and more and more, you know, everyone's out there to drive a purpose, build a community. And this is beautiful. And in order for this level of mindfulness and collaboration and coexistence to really exist and for us to play a bigger game, it involves us to not just, you know, talk the talk. We can't just put this copy out there. We have to take risks in service of a higher purpose. And that's always about serving others. It's about giving. It's about being generous and not expecting anything in return, right? It's about really truly having active connection to it. And so what does that actually look like? And so, you know, I ask leaders all the time, you know, we say, uh, put your people first, put your employees or your customers, your clients first. But I want to know, do you actually know who they are? Do you know why they are here? Do you know what they care about? Do you know what their goals are? Do you know who they have in their life? Do you know what their purpose is? Do you know what they believe in? Do you know what they stand for? Do you know what they contribute? Do you know what's holding them back? Where do they struggle? Why is it important? Do you actually know because you're talking to them, because you have human to human relationships with them? It's time that we have 
powerful conversations with our communities. And we create experiences that are actually shifting lives, you know, one conversation at a time. And we're building products and technology and services from that place. That's when we see our results rise through the roof. Not when we're sitting back in a boardroom theorizing. Yes, it's really amazing. Sarah, I identify with you so much. I feel like we really have both looked at such a similar body of work and it means so much to hear somebody who cares about this. So thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everybody where they can find you, learn from you, follow you, all of the things? Absolutely. Well, our website is soulpowered.com and you can find us on uh, social media at Be Soul Powered. Wonderful. This has been so good. Thanks again for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Hello, friends. I am just sitting here and reflecting on the episode with Sarah Kaler, and I just found her to be so well-spoken, so helpful, so informative, and of course, so uh, professional. She felt like she had such a leadership executive presence. And I wanted to talk about this concept of having an executive presence. Like, what does it take for you to feel that way in the room? Because I know that when people promote you, it's not just because on an external level, you're doing certain things. It's because on an internal level, you're seeing the world in a certain way that you're embodying some sort of energy or approach to the way that you're communicating your tone of voice. So much of communication is not the words you're saying, but rather how they sound or how you look when you're saying them. And that all of that palpable, um, those pieces of your being, I think that's what forms the executive presence. So what I want to ask you now is just to reflect for a moment on your job, on your work day, on who you're being in the world at work, and to really ask yourself, what are the top two energies I lead with at work? What are the top two ways I would describe my energy at work? Uh, Chances are, if you're uh, in my shoes, for example, I lead with efficiency and um, brevity is, is probably all part of the efficiency and the brevity. So what does that mean? It looks like um, people on my ghostwriting team over at Cake Publishing, they're usually getting really quick quick text messages from me. And then every now and again, I'll catch up, ask them how they're doing, call them, connect. That's kind of how I have run the show and led on the, in that company. Um, at Ashley International with my clients, um, the energy that I lead with on my calls is a lot of presence. So whether I have a client who is making a huge career pivot and trying to figure out what she wants to do next, or I've got a business owner who wants to scale their company, whoever I'm coaching, I'm in presence. So I would say most of my day, my energy is of efficiency, brevity, you know, that's one bucket. And then the second bucket would be extreme presence. And that's also the case when I'm writing, I really am present um, and uninterruptible, if that's such a word. So I want to just invite you now that we've listened to Sarah Kaler, Um, into thinking who's a leader out there that you really admire and what is it about their energy and how they lead that you feel creates that executive presence, that je ne sais quoi about them. And then what are the top two things uh, that you lead with? And is that good news or bad news for you? Do you want to shift it? Uh, I think all of this is just really good to put your awareness on um, because when you look at the leaders in your life that move you, chances are they're coming from a certain energy that you could start to pay attention to, tune into, and see if you want to adopt that um, so that you can more intentionally lead. So really amazing episode. I'm so grateful for those of you who are posting reviews. If U-Turn Podcast has made any impact on you, I just can't 
ask you enough to take that five seconds wherever you're listening to the podcast, post a written review. It means so much for the show. I'm so grateful for, for you to do that. And um, yeah, just can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. Um, tag us. Um, just tag me at Ashley Stahl. Tag Sarah Kaler. Let us know what you learned. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.